Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs weekly podcast. Every week we'll provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday service. Good morning, Harvest Springs. It's great to see all of you. My name is Michael. I serve as a discipleship pastor here. And today we're going to open up Mark chapter one, as Paul talked about. So if you have your Bibles or your device, I encourage you to grab the gospel of Mark in chapter one. We're going to be finishing out this long chapter that Mark opens his gospel with. So if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, we've been walking through this chapter of Mark chapter one, just really slowly. And from the very beginning, Mark starts it this way, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a story about Jesus. So we're focusing on what this story is, and it's really a message that you and I receive from God to share with other people. And this is the story that you and I are invited to live into that changes everything. So we've been walking through this story in Mark chapter one, where Jesus is The gospel is being declared about him. A man named John the Baptist shows up and Mark is moving at a very fast pace to tell us this story that he received all of these stories from a man named Peter who walked with Jesus for three years. And Mark gets these stories and he puts them together in what we know today as the gospel of Mark. And you and I, through generations as it's been passed down from Peter to Mark, put on parchment by pen and ink, and then copied many, many times. And now we have the, uh, the gracious gift of a printed Bible that you and I can read every day. And we're invited to follow this same Jesus and live out this story every day with him. So the first week we looked at the first 15 verses of Mark chapter one, where in Mark chapter one, John the Baptist shows up, he baptizes Jesus. This voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. And then Jesus immediately is sent into the wilderness. He's tested by Satan. And then he begins to preach this gospel of the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he's preaching, repent and believe that I'm the king. So the first week, we were focusing all on this word gospel, about how this gospel word means that Jesus is king. And when we live as Jesus is king in control of everything, he offers us renewal and peace and new life. And then last week, we looked at the the episodes after Jesus began preaching, how Jesus calls some disciples to himself. And then Mark slows down this pace of his gospel, and he, he gives us a window into a 24-hour period in, the day, in a day of the life of Jesus. Jesus is teaching in the synagogues. A man who has an unclean spirit comes in and interrupts him, confronts Jesus. He knows who Jesus is, that he is the son of the most high God. Jesus silences this unclean spirit, casts him out of the man. People are amazed and astonished. And then Jesus goes to Peter's house where his mother-in-law is sick with a fever. He heals her. The sun goes down on that day, but Jesus' work is not finished. And everyone gathers to his house where he's at. And they're pressing at the door and Jesus heals many people. And we talked last week about this, that if you follow Jesus, you have to spend time with him. And when you spend time with him, Jesus begins to change you. If you claim to follow Jesus, spending time as Mark opens this window into one day of Jesus' life, And lets us see, we're astonished and amazed at all the things that Jesus does in this story of Mark. And so today we're going to pick up, and we're going to end chapter 1 of the last 10 verses. But before we do that, I want to encourage you. 
I want to encourage you to move beyond a Sunday. So if you've been with us these past two weeks, perhaps you started reading the Gospel of Mark on uh, November 8th, and you've been reading a chapter each day as we talked about. I know some of you have. You've talked to me about it. We've had a reading group that's been focusing on Mark. Keep reading the Gospel of Mark. And if you haven't, I dare you to pick it up. Pick up this book and maybe just read one chapter a day. Take about 10 minutes of your day, but there are 16 chapters. And in 16 days, you'll read this whole short story about Jesus. Mark is pointing to the cross and how the cross makes a difference. And then the resurrection occurs. And then the story ends, according to Mark. Maybe I encourage you, I dare you to take up the gospel of Mark with a hot cup of coffee or tea and sit down for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes and read from chapter one to chapter 16, all the way through in one sitting. I believe this will change the way you see the whole gospel because it's all story pointing to Jesus' resurrection, how that changes everything and who he is. Mark is exploring by all these different episodes that he's putting together. Also on your notes page on the back of it, if you pick that up, there are some resources a lot by the Bible Project. It's an incredible organization that puts together some videos to help you understand the content of Mark, to help you understand the gospel. They have a, there's a, it's a blog post that's linked in there. There's, a, there's also a podcast, episode, four episodes in a series about the gospel, how to read the gospels to help you understand how to read this gospel of Mark better. Because I believe that when you spend time with Jesus, when you read his word, you begin to change and become like him. And that's really the goal. We exist as a church to help everyone take one step closer to Jesus. And we pray that today you take that step. And we're gonna do this by having four really main points of today's message that we've been imposing on all these messages for the past two weeks that I really encourage you to take to your daily Bible reading, the structure of hearing the story first and then examining the story and then responding to the story. And then the invitation is to live out this story every day. Really, that's the invitation from Jesus to come follow him. We have to follow him. We have to know what he's doing by reading the story or hearing the story. Then we have to examine the story, respond to what Jesus is calling or what he did. And then the invitation is to live it out as we follow him. So we're gonna do that this morning. We're gonna hear these last 10 verses of Mark chapter one. And then we're gonna unpack these two different episodes with two big ideas. And then I have an invitation for you to participate at the very end as we share our story. So if you look at your notes page, I realized this when I put them out this morning, the title section on the very top of it, I omitted a title. So if you want to write that in, really the title of this message is share the story, share the story. It's all about sharing the story about what Jesus has done in your life. So let's read and hear this story first. I'm going to read Mark chapter one, beginning at verse 35, and we're going to read through verse 45, the end of Mark chapter one. Remember, Jesus had just had this long day and Mark picks up this story in verse 35 and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone, everyone is looking for you, Jesus. And Jesus said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also for that is why I have come out. And he went throughout Galilee, all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. 
And immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news, the good news of the gospel so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray as we begin to examine this. God, we give you thanks and praise because you're good and your love is always constant. And God, I pray that you would help us to listen to your son today. We would listen to his voice as we read this story, as we examine it. God, I help. I pray that you would help us to respond in boldness, in obedience, because the story of Jesus, it changes everything. And I pray today that it would change the life of someone in this room. That the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus would have eternal consequences and implications for someone. But this is good news that we all long for and it's available in your son, Jesus. So may we have ears to hear what you're saying to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Control. You and I long for control of our lives. You may not be aware of this, but we can control a lot of things about our life. For some of you, yesterday, there was an event that took place, specifically a football game that was outside of your control. If you're a Bobcats fan, I'm sorry. You probably wish you could control the outcome of that game, right? But for Grizz fans, there was an outcome that you have been waiting for for years. Right, And if, you, if you're not from Montana and you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay because I was there one day too. There's this big game that took place yesterday in Missoula, college football game between Montana State and the University of Montana. And the University of Montana Grizzlies beat the Bobcats of Montana State, if you care about that at all. But that was beyond your control. Even if you wanted someone to win or you wanted to alter the outcome of that, that was beyond your control just like much of life is beyond our control, but you and I often grab control. We try to do that of everything. Control people, control situations, control outcomes, control the way people perceive us, control how people respond to us. And here in this story, we see Jesus is calling and inviting people to give up control, to follow him as king. And after this long day of Jesus doing ministry, he's teaching, he's healing people, he's casting out demons. He's probably with people into the wee hours of the night on that Sabbath day, now into the next day, healing people. Mark tells us that Jesus doesn't sleep in after that long, exhausting day. He doesn't hit the snooze button 10 times and just continue to lay in bed. No, Jesus gets up very early the next morning while the while it was still dark, Jesus goes and he finds a place where no one is. And the purpose of him doing that was to pray. His purpose was to pray, to connect with God, the, the source of where he got this power and authority to do all these things that he's been doing. He goes and he prays to God, his father. And in, in Mark's gospel, Jesus prays three times. He prays in Mark chapter six before he goes and walks on water. And he prays while he's in the garden of Gethsemane before he's about to die 
on the cross. But here in Mark, Jesus gets away from all the crowds in Mark chapter one to go and pray and be refreshed from his long day of giving and giving and giving. How many times have you felt drained in your life by just giving things away, giving all that you have, your time to your family, to your coworkers, to anyone? And here Jesus sets the example to go get away with a father to be recharged and to be about his mission. And in the midst of this praying in, in chapter one, verse 36, Peter and his friends, whom Jesus had just called verses earlier, they're coming and they're looking for Jesus. Imagine this man, Jesus, shows up. He invites you to drop everything that you've been doing. You witness this long day where he has authority over demons. He's teaching with authority. He's healing people. And then you go to bed well past sunset. And you've slept in probably. And you turn to find Jesus and he's nowhere to be found. This man who just called you to follow him is nowhere to be found. I imagine there's some anxiety here and probably people are gathering at this house again to come be healed by Jesus. And Peter and his friends, they go searching for Jesus. The connotation here in this verb is they went to hunt him down. Now in Montana, we know all about hunting, right? Is that Peter and his friends, they go looking for Jesus intently to hunt him down, to find him so they can bring him back to this place that he's left because there are all these people he has to take care of. They want Jesus to be this wonder working man in their midst. And when Peter finds Jesus, he says, everyone is looking for you. Everyone, Jesus, everyone's looking for you and we need you because you're the only person that can take care of this problem. Now, underneath all of this in, in the English language, we miss some of the things that are in the original language that when Peter says, everyone is looking for you, that's not a good thing. It's really not a good thing in the gospel of Mark because every time Mark uses this word looking or searching, there are, there are implications of some bad things that are about to happen. So at the end of Mark's gospel, every time that the religious leaders of that day are looking or searching for Jesus, they're doing so to put him to death. It occurs, I think, about five times. The references are in your notes there. You can explore them later. But five, four or five times, the religious leaders are searching for Jesus and plotting of ways to put him to death. And here, Peter is saying, everyone's doing this. They're trying to put Jesus in this control, in their control, of, of bringing him back to do the things that they want him to do to heal people. And in the midst of this, and Peter's hunting down Jesus and saying, everyone's looking for you, there seems to be an element of control by Peter to make Jesus do exactly what he wants him to do and what everyone else wants him to do. But Jesus is beyond control. Jesus turns to him, right, to Peter, doesn't even address his concern that everyone's looking for him. He's, Jesus says, let's go. We've got a mission to accomplish. And it doesn't include going back to that house and healing people. It includes going to the other towns in Galilee to preach this gospel that he talked about in Mark chapter one, verse 15, to preach the gospel that Jesus is king and his kingdom has come to bring peace on earth and to offer a different way. And as Jesus preached about all we need to do is repent and literally turn directions of our life and follow him and believe that he is king. And that's the invitation. Peter accepted it. 
And now he's trying to control Jesus. And Jesus says, we've got business to do. And he goes and he preaches. So here's the first big idea of today. We have, there's actually two big ideas for this morning because, because I could not put these two together because I think they're really separate ideas, but they do work together. Here's the first big idea that you and I can take away from today is that when you follow Jesus, you relinquish control of your life to King Jesus. That seems really easy to say, but to live that out is a daily process. As Alicia alluded to earlier today while we were singing, this idea of surrender is a daily task that you and I have to give up control, to give up the ability to control our lives and to lay everything at the feet of Jesus to allow him to do what he wants to do in our lives and in our world around us. So when we follow Jesus, we relinquish control of our lives and he changes everything. We realize that we're not king and Jesus is, and we let it go. We follow him. And then Mark continues his story in chapter one, verse 40. He doesn't tell us when, he doesn't tell us where, but a man with leprosy shows up to Jesus and his friends. And this man with leprosy, now we don't have really a context for leprosy in our world today, but in the ancient world, when you contracted leprosy or any type of skin disease, really leprosy was this catch-all statement for any skin disease, there was fear and suspicion that this person received some sort of judgment from God and they were ostracized for, from the community. They were literally the walking dead of that day. And here we see this man with leprosy. He comes to Jesus. He begs him, falls on his knees. If you will, I, will you make me clean? Make me clean, this man says. Now, to help us understand this context, we have to go to the Old Testament, to Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. Now, I know this isn't the most uh, engaging reading. If you go back to Leviticus, if you've ever read Leviticus, it's not, it's just a lot of different laws, but there are two whole chapters in Leviticus dedicated to how people who have leprosy or any type of skin disease, how they are declared either clean or unclean. And in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, you get a, an insight into how awful it would have been to have been a leper in Jesus's day, or maybe even back in the Old Testament. Because in this, this uh, nation of Israel, when someone contracted a skin disease, they went to the priest of that day who offered sacrifices on behalf of the people and stood in, in the gap between the people and God. The priest would examine this person. If you had an open sore, if you had flakes on your skin, if, if your skin was white, if you had a burn or whatever, you have to, you'd have to go to the priest and the priest was the one who could declare clean or unclean. And if you read Leviticus chapter 13, it's really like, seems like a dermatology manual about all these different skin diseases. But there are two words that, that are in there quite often, clean and unclean. And here's the sentence, if someone is declared unclean. In verse 45 and 46, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, and let their hair on their head hang loose, and he or she shall cover her upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And that person shall remain unclean as long as they have this disease. They are unclean. And they shall live alone, and their dwelling shall be outside of the camp. 
These people are the living dead of that day. You see, the people of Israel, they lived in this camp where all these tribes encircled an area, and there was a place known as outside the camp where these people had to live outside of community, outside of society, because they were marked unclean, because everyone in the society did not want what they had. They thought they were contagious. There was great fear there, and as a result, they were cast out of the society because of what they had, probably that they had no control over. And here this man, returning to Mark chapter 1, verse 40, instead of coming to Jesus and respecting his space and calling out unclean, unclean, this man with leprosy comes. He falls at the feet of Jesus and begs him. The man broke the social norms of that day. He runs up to Jesus. And rather than calling unclean, he says, if you will, make me clean. And then Jesus shatters the social standards of the day. But notice the request of this man. If you will, he says to Jesus. If you go back to this story about Peter and his, his friends about controlling Jesus, they were trying to manipulate Jesus to do what they wanted him to do. But now this man with leprosy comes and says, Jesus, it's up to you. Do whatever you would like, and if you will... He's not questioning Jesus' ability to heal him or make him clean. He's saying, if you will do this for me, it's a request. The leper is not worried about the consequences of coming near someone and perhaps giving Jesus what he had, whatever skin disease he had. He's not worried about the consequences of not calling out unclean, unclean. He just wants to be clean. And he's heard these stories about Jesus and now he comes to Jesus and falls at his feet and says, be clean. And Jesus, who's moved by pity or compassion, reaches out and shatters the social norms of that day by touching this man. Imagine for me for a moment, this man had been ostracized. He'd been outside of the community, living on his own, maybe with a, a colony of other people who had leprosy, but no one probably had touched him in a long time. And Jesus reaches out, touches him, a touch of acceptance, of belonging, of care, of love, of grace. And Jesus says, I'm willing, be clean. And this cleansing, this cleansing is different than healing. Jesus is not just healing his body, although he does that, but this cleansing makes this person clean. Now he can return to society. He can worship at the temple. He can be with other people. There is a deeper social reality to this gospel of good news when Jesus makes this man clean. And then Jesus tells this man sternly, and he sent him away at once. See that you tell no one about this. But he says, go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing that Moses told you to do. See, if you keep reading in Leviticus chapter 14, there's this whole protocol and procedure about how a person with leprosy becomes clean. So let's say their skin disease has, has gone away, but they're still outside of the camp and they have to send word into the priest who's inside the camp and the priest goes outside of the camp to where they are to examine this person with leprosy, to declare it clean or unclean. And if the priest, after examination of their skin, declares them clean, then this person who had leprosy but is now clean brings two 
birds as a sacrifice to the priest. One bird is killed, one bird is left alive. And the bird that is killed is opened up and the blood is sprinkled on this person who had leprosy. Sprinkled on the bird that's also alive and that bird is let loose and it flies away. And then that person is clean by the blood of this sacrifice to come back into the camp. And in the camp, they offer another sacrifice. The priest offers another sacrifice on their behalf. And we're told that the priest takes the blood of the sacrifice, puts it on their earlobe, puts it on other parts of their body to make them clean. And the priest makes atonement for their sins. And that person is declared clean. They're accepted into the community And Jesus says, go do all those things. Show yourself to the priest as Moses commanded. Offer all these sacrifices. But that man doesn't do that. He tells everybody what Jesus has done for him and news spreads rapidly and Jesus can't even be alone in the places where no one should be because everyone comes to him. So here's the second big idea for this morning from this little passage with Jesus' encounter with the leper. When Jesus cleanses you and makes you whole because that's what he did to this man, you cannot keep the story to yourself. When Jesus cleanses you and makes you whole, you cannot keep the story to yourself. And so we're gonna look now at how we respond to this story because we've heard the story, we examined it, and now how do people respond in this story? The disciples and Peter, they're trying to control Jesus and use him for their advantage. I think you and I often do that. But God is asking us in this invitation from Jesus to give up control, to put everything down, to follow him and allow him to work in whatever way he desires to do that. But I think all of us in this room are also like this leper, this man with leprosy. We have things in our life that make us unclean, namely sin that separates us from God. And just as the priest would sprinkle blood on this man to make him clean, you and I can experience blood that makes us clean as well. See, this sacrificial system in Leviticus was just a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do on the cross. And in Mark's gospel, he goes to the cross, he's crucified, his blood is shed, and his death makes atonement for sins of everyone. And you and I have the opportunity to respond to Jesus by accepting and receiving that blood that cleanses us from the sin that separates us from God. 1 John chapter, five, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, John, another, another disciple of Jesus, who followed Jesus with Peter, whom Jesus called in Mark chapter 1, writes this in his epistle that we call 1 John. He says this in verse 7 of 1 John, but if we walk in the light as God is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess we have sin that separates us from God, God is faithful and just, he will forgive us and then his blood will cleanse us and make us whole and help us become like Jesus as we follow him. Perhaps today there's sin that's separating you from God. And you need to cry out to him like this leper, make me clean. 
Make me clean because I need the blood of Jesus to cover my sins, to make me whole again, to bring me back into the family of God. So how do we live this story? We can respond either by trying to control what Jesus is doing for us, or we can give up control and allow him to bring healing through his blood that will cover our sins. But how do you and I live this story? We're gonna do something different this morning as we end. I'm gonna give you a heads up and then I'm gonna tell you a story about how God has been working in my life recently. And I'm gonna invite you to do the exact same thing publicly. So in just a few moments, we're gonna, we have a microphone. If you would like to share your story, remember this big idea, when Jesus changes you and cleanses you, you can't keep the story to yourself. This leper couldn't keep the story to himself. And I know we don't do this often, but I'm gonna give you the opportunity to share with everyone in this room what God has been doing in your life and what God has done. I was this way one time and then I met Jesus and now I'm this way. It doesn't have to be a salvation experience. Maybe it's just something that you've been struggling with recently that God has been pointing out to you in your life. So in the first service, we had two men share their stories about how substances and life controlled them before and then they met Jesus. One of them had a dream where Jesus came and spoke to this man and now he's a different person today. And I believe we all have stories similar to that, that we need to share with each other to encourage each other. But we also need to share those stories with other people to invite them into this grander story of the gospel that changes everything. So let me give you a story about me real quick. If you recall in the first week of this series, I mentioned how one of the areas of my life that God was asking me to give up to his lordship or his kingship was anger, was anger. There's this current of anger that runs in me. You probably don't see it because it doesn't come out. It comes out of my family, comes out in inconvenient times. But I knew that that was ungodly. God had placed his thumb on me. So after I preached that first sermon, Chris, your wife came up to me and she said, I, I just need to tell you this. That God is asking you just to let all that stuff go. We were listening to this speaker who talked about anger and he talked about anger being this river. So imagine in life, there's a river that is going past you. And there are all these things floating down this river that you can't control, that you're wanting to grab onto to control because you're angry at it. And you have the choice to jump in that river, grab those things, and then wherever the river takes you, it takes you. Or you can stand on the shore of that river and you can just let those things go. God spoke to me. And then later that week, as I was preparing for the next message last week, I was reading this commentary. If you, if you recall, Jesus has this interaction with an unclean spirit. And in this commentary that I was reading, the commentator made this connection between anger and demonic control that I've never seen before. That really just, as I was reading this, it felt like God was speaking directly to me. And through a number of instances in scripture, starting with Cain and Abel, when God comes to Cain and says, Cain, you have this choice to be angry and sin sin can control you, but you can rule over it in Genesis chapter four, is that this author began to show that this anger that I had was a window of opportunity for the devil to take a foothold in my life. Paul writes about that later. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry because you may give the devil a foothold. And then he also talked about King Saul in the Old Testament. How Saul became angry with 
his, the celebration of David, and then God sent a unclean spirit into Saul, and that turned into chaos after that. But God, through the story of your wife and this commentator, began to just open my eyes to this area that there was potential to make some ungodly choices that would lead to some results that I didn't want. Now, that seems like a little thing, but it has the potential to become a big thing. But we want to celebrate your story. So if you're watching online, if you would be so bold to share your story in the chat room, I was this way before I met Jesus, and now I'm this way. And I want to provide opportunity and space and time for everyone in this room to do exactly just that. Not everyone. Well, we got time for two people, two minutes apiece, to share your story. We've got microphones here. And if no one wants to share, that's okay. But if God's spirit is leading you to stand up, grab a microphone, share this story that God has changed you, I encourage you to do that. And if not, we're gonna sing a song, celebrate this new life that we have in Jesus, and then we'll go about our days. But the challenge is to share the story. Share the story about what Jesus has done in your life because when he changes you, when he cleanses you, you can't keep it to yourself like this leper. So does anyone want to share? All you got to do is raise your hand. We'll bring the mic to you. Last call. Anybody want to share? That's okay. It's okay. It takes courage to share those stories. It takes courage to, oh, we got a person right here, Tom. We're bringing the mic to you. You know, the, the, huh? the issue of control you know, who's in control and surrender. Um, there can even be things that are not strictly speaking sin, yeah. but you know God doesn't want them to do, or God doesn't want you to do them. And for me, you know, like drinking in moderation, it's not a sin. You know, I mean, at least it's, it's not a sin by what the Bible says about it. It's okay to drink a little bit, but God has clearly told me that he doesn't want me to do it. And... When I do it, I lose my peace and joy. I get anxious. And um, this is something where, you know, over the last several years, you know, I've had the occasional lapse. And, and when I do, it just like destroys me. And, and when I surrender, I have that peace and joy. And I want to tell people about Jesus. And, you know, it's just like, um, I'm, I'm kind of stupid. I kind of have to relearn it occasionally, you yeah. know, but, but boy, you know, doing what God wants you to do is just so wonderful. You know, the relationship, having that nothing between you and God, you know, obeying the spirit and, and I, I'm still learning and, you know, and uh, it's been a little bit of a journey the last several years here. It's been a lifelong journey, right? Yeah, that too. Yep. Yeah. All of us are in that situation. Yeah. Right? If we're following Jesus, it's a lifelong journey of learning to control or give up control and surrender to him. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks. Anybody else? All right, we got one right here. Tell us your name first. 
Hi, my name is Tammy. And um, what God has done in my life, I've worked my, I work at the hospital. I've worked there 35 years and I work night shift. I work six nights in a row and it's really depletes me, I guess, energy wise. And um, I just needed something different. Um, but of course I had like my stronghold on that because that's like a place in my life that was predictable. I've done it a long time. I just, you know, and um, I ended up calling my boss and telling him I wanted to go on call, which is leading to me to trust God a lot. Um, it seemed like when that was all happening, kind of like it was foggy, like I wasn't really thinking about calling and saying I want to go on call. It was kind of like stewing about it for days on end and really making sure um I, I believe it was just God moving in me. Um, it's opened up some time for me to spend with scripture and worship. And um, I don't know what lies ahead, but I do trust him. So it's a big change for me. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for sharing, Tammy. Thank you. It's amazing how often our stories are very similar. And when we begin to share these stories about Jesus, right, we have opportunity to share hope that perhaps other people don't have, but you've experienced the hope, the peace when you trust him or you've given up control and you've allowed your life to live differently than maybe you would want. But when Jesus is king, everything changes. That's a story that changes everything. So thank you for sharing. I, I encourage you to share your story this week with someone. I know that seems like this really big thing, but maybe in a conversation of someone who needs hope or who is looking for peace or is anxious, you have the ability to speak truth and love from a God who loves them, sent his son to die for them. And you have a story of Jesus changing you. And that story is too good to keep to yourself because it has the ability to change their life as well. So share the story. Be like this man with leprosy, who has been cleansed and now can't stop talking about it. And as you walk with Jesus, pray that God would give you opportunities to share that story. We're gonna pray right now. Then we're gonna sing one last song to celebrate what God has done to give us new life in him. So let's pray. God, we give you thanks and praise for the stories that you are writing in our lives and how we can be testimonies to those around us of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of your love, of your grace, of your commitment to us, of the fact that you are trustworthy and that you are good. And God, I pray this morning that if someone has come into this room that, that needs to be cleansed, to be cleansed of sin that is controlling them, whatever that may be, God, that they would simply just reach out to your son, Jesus, confess that he is king of their life and that his death on the cross makes a difference for them now and for all of eternity. And that's simply just reaching out, acknowledging that Jesus is king and accepting that forgiveness of their sins to be cleansed like this leper we talked about today. God, I pray you help someone respond in that way this morning, that they'd have the courage to tell someone about it. For those of us in this room who've been walking with Jesus for years, God, I pray that you would give us boldness to talk about Jesus to other people, 
that we have this hope that the world longs for. God, you sent us on your mission to proclaim this story like you were doing it in Mark through your son, Jesus. So God, would you give us opportunities to do that, we pray, to share the good news of Jesus, that Jesus is king, he changes everything. Help us to live that story this week, we pray. So we give you praise for how you change us, how you cleanse us, how you make us new. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen, amen. Hey, if you made a spiritual decision today to reach out to Jesus in salvation, we'd love to talk to you, come alongside of you as a staff. There's a new here banner in the lobby. We have a gift for you that we'd love to come alongside of you and pray with you. So we challenge you to share that with someone today. Well, let's stand together as we close. Let's sing about all that God has done for us, how he's changed us. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started plan on our mobile app or our website, harvestsprings.com. The Getting Started plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.